0: Continuing our little series in the book of Mark, but uh, w- w- we're not going to turn there straight away. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I uh, texted somebody this week. Have you ever had this happen to you? Um, I texted somebody, and they, they they literally texted back straight away and went, "Ah, oh, I can't believe you texted at that point. I was just thinking about that thing." You ever had, anyone? Come on, yeah, it, it, it's uncanny when that happens, isn't it? A friend of mine um, went to bed. Again, this week, she went to bed, fell asleep, and she got woken up by a text at 10 past 3 in the morning, I think it was. She thought, who is texting at 10 past 3 in the morning? And no, it wasn't the Lawrence Kirk WhatsApp. (laughs) However, (laughs) that's a gentle however, okay? One o'clock in the morning, people. That, That thing is... Oh alright, Tor's going north, don't do that. Okay, anyway, so uh, my friend's fast asleep, she gets a text at ten past three in the morning, and she, you know, gets grabs her phone, opens it up, there's a text there, and she think and she's, and she's, and because now she's awake, she suddenly realizes she's feeling really odd. She gets up and goes to the toilet and looks in the mirror. And she has woken up. With an allergic reaction. She doesn't know what's caused it. Her whole face is swelling up. Her tongue is swelling up. Her, she looks like she's had, you know, the, you know, what do you call it when you injections into your lips? I don't know, both You know, it's the whole, you know. She's, this is all happening. And uh, so she managed to get some antihistamines down her to abate that reaction. Very interesting, isn't it? Coincidental? Turns out that person who texted her was praying for her at three o'clock in the morning. Felt like God had woke her up and and said, I need to text so-and-so and and texted her and actually stopped that reaction happening. I don't know if you believe in coincidences. I think most of the coincidences in our lives are divinely orchestrated moments, um, divine moments, you know. And so um, we're looking you know, it's the turn of the year, it's the beginning of the year, we're looking down the sort of the path of the next year, and we're kicking off the year in parables about seed and growing. I just don't think that is at all coincidental. I mean I I get the preaching rota, you know, you know, we get the preaching rota months in advance and all of that kind of stuff. I don't think Chuck orchestrated that we would be in Mark chapter 3 and 4 at this time of the year. It's just the way it's been broken down. And so last week, if you were here, uh, Tom began to talk about what kind of a soil are we going to be, you know, because when God sows seed, he wants to sow it into good soil and that we'd be a fruitful people, you know, and and today we're going to look a little bit at that whole area of growth again. And uh, I just believe that, you know, as we look down this 365 days of the next year, or 8,760 hours to fill, or 525,600 minutes worth of life, or 36 million seconds, <laughs> are we going to grow in that period of time? Well, I guarantee that if we have the Holy Spirit. At work in our lives if the Word of God is uh, is in us and the Spirit of God is breathing on that in us I will guarantee God guarantees it will grow we will grow so the question I want to just chuck out to you are you up for some growth like really are you up for some growth we're going to be growing then in character. We're going to be growing then in intimacy, in generosity, in kindness, in compassion, hopefully in boldness. Who wants to grow in boldness? Yeah. Pamela's hand went straight up there. That's a, that's a great start. I'm going, to, I'm going to start as I mean to go on in boldness. kindness, compassion, boldness, in faith. And therefore, if we're going to be growing, we're going to be multiplying. We're going to be multiplying and then dividing. Maybe our small groups are just going to get too big to be one group, and they're going to have to divide and grow and and, and spin out. And so some of you in here right now, this year, you're going to grow in leadership. You can't sit on the seat and just kind of Observe any longer, because if you're growing in character and God's Spirit is in you, then He's going to He's going to grow a sense of leading in your life. You still want to grow? We still want to grow? Do we? Do we still want to grow? Maybe we need to be. For some of us, we're going to be growing up, and I don't mean that just physically. I think we're going to be growing up spiritually. And if we're growing up, do you know what that means? We're growing closer. Closer to Jesus. We're going to become like him, but we're going to know him even more. And the beautiful thing is, is if we grow closer to Jesus, it's very clear in the Bible. It means that we will grow closer. They go together. When we love God, we love one another. And when we don't love one another, it's very clear that means we're not really loving God. And so are you up for growth? Are we up for getting closer? Some of you are like, I like my personal space. (laughs) Thanks, James. (laughs) Christine obviously does look poor girl. (laughs) But, you know, we want to grow closer. You know, she's been talking about that in in the little introduction, isn't it? We don't want to be a crowd. We want to be a community and a family. So important. And I want to say a welcome to those of you that have maybe just recently come and become, come around our community. We love it that you're kind of hanging out with us. We want you to feel closer to others and closer to God. So we want to be growing. But there's a great oxymoron in this Christian walk. You see, the more we grow and the more growth there is in us, the more death there is. Because you see, the reality is if we're growing in Jesus, then we're going to be dying to ourselves. Isn't that right? Take up your cross and follow me means actually there's some things in my life that don't bring life to you guys. And that's got to die. And I want it to die. I want it to die at the end of last year. I want some of the things that we hope would die last year would stay dead. Yeah. So that we walk into a new year with more life. Do you still want to grow? Do we really still want to grow? Because that does mean there are some things that we hang on to that is you know we're a bit selfish about. We like, isn't it? But actually, if we want to grow, we need to go no to that and yes to this. See, suddenly, as we start to break down the growth thing, it sounds brilliant, but there is a, it's gonna cut into us. This analogy that Tom kicked off the year with is the seed is planted. This, this whole kind of imagery of seeds guilt going into the soil, being buried and dying to bring life. You know, we see that all the way through scripture and we see it in the life of Jesus. And therefore, if it's a principle for Jesus, it's going to be a principle for you and me. We want to grow. And I want us to encourage one another this year going, hey, are you growing? <laughs> hey, are you dying? but we'll know what we mean okay all right okay good so i don't know where we're gonna be in a year's time you know i don't have you know sometimes i think oh lord when i think a year down the line you know i want to know exactly where we're going to be i don't know but i want to ask a question of us where do we want to be Um, I was over at a a secondary school this week and we got a whole bunch of the young people to visualize where they're going to be in a year. Where they want to be in a year. When, you know, I want you to now, maybe just close your eyes for a second. Okay. And I want you to visualize a year's time. I want the future you in a year's time to begin to speak to the present you today. What thing, maybe what one thing do you want to see changing in your life? Some of us may have a whole bunch of things, but maybe today just think, God, I want this one thing. And it might be a character issue, it might be that promise that you feel like God's been speaking to you forever. It's like, Lord, can it be this year? In a year's time, will that have come to pass? Would it be that neighbour that you've been praying for and you've been loving on? I don't know. Give us that. W- you got it? You got that thing? And now let's think and let's visualise the future us in a year's time. What about us as a church and as a community and as a family Let's think about us in a year. Let the future us speak into the present right now. What do we want for City Church Lawrence Kirk? What is that desire? What, what is it? What is it we want to see? Because what we see. We'll get. What we hope for. What we pursue in God, we may get. But if we're not pursuing anything, if we're not pushing towards something in him, if we're not asking, seeking, knocking, then why would we receive it? What is it? If you've got a notebook, would you just write down those two things? The thing, the personal thing for you, you know, whatever that is, and the thing for us as a community. And maybe over the next year, I went, let's just bring those things out and refer to them, think it through, begin to use them as a prayer thing in our lives. You see, when I start to visualize what I want for us, as a pastor, as a friend, as a brother, you know what, whenever I close my eyes, I say, Lord, can we have, can we have that, you know what comes to mind? Isaiah 35, Isaiah 35, this incredible picture of redemption, of a road, a highway being built. And, uh, at the beginning of this year, I want to just read a little bit of it for us uh, this morning, if I can find the Isaiah 35. Let me read you this. Are you ready? This is what I'm hoping for. This is what I'm looking for. Okay. It says here that the desert and the parched land will be glad. It's not a bad thing, yeah. is it? That the desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocuses, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. It goes on to say, will strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way, and say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong, do not fear, your God has come. The eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped, and the lame will leap like deer, and the mute tongue will shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool. That which is hot and painful will become a place of refreshing. It's good imagery this, isn't it? Powerful, powerful imagery. The burning sand will become a pool. Thirsty ground. Will become bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay. Grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in in that way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. Here we go. No lion will be there. Nor will any ferocious beast get up, up upon it. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there and the ransom of the Lord will return and they will enter Zion singing everlasting joy will crown their heads. And here it comes. This is what I'm hoping for. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm visualizing. This is it. And gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. How good is that? That is such an incredible promise from the Old Testament that we see. That we see in the new. In the kingdom of God. That is an incredible picture of the kingdom of God, guys. It's found in the Old Testament. You know, what he's saying is this. The kingdom of God is but a road and a way. And it is going somewhere. And in that final destination, there will be no more tears, no more suffering, no more brokenness in our bodies, in our hearts and in our minds. That's the destination when we ultimately come face to face with the Lord of heaven. And everything is made right. And he returns and he renews this earth. That's where this is going. This is the way to there. But the amazing thing is this. This road is made of material that is already, that comes from that place. Can you see that? The road is made of joy. The road is made of peace. The road is made of healing and wholeness. Can you see that? You see, the reality is this is a picture of the future breaking into the present. The kingdom of God breaking in today. And how does it break in? It breaks in through you and me. Peace in you affects me. The joy in you affects me. Can you see that? It's an incredible promise here in the Old Testament. This is what we want. This is what Jesus promises us. A highway will be there. For those who are holy. Do you know what it, it basically is saying? This highway will be set apart. It will be distinct and it will stand out. It will stand out in the world. And people will go, that's the way and I want on it. What, what are you seeing in a year? That's what I'm visualizing. Actually, to be honest with you, I'm not just fantasizing about that. (coughs) Because fantasizing doesn't go anywhere, really. That's an unreality. I want to be biblical about this. If this is a word for us, and if this is a word for Lawrence Kirk, that a highway will be built, and that which is miserable will suddenly find joy, if that is a word, then I want to apply a biblical principle of Hebrews chapter 11. Well, what is faith? Faith is, being, is the hope of, being, of, 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 of knowing with certainty that which you cannot see. But it's about pulling that which we can't see into reality. And how do we do that? We do it by pursuing it. And saying, this I have heard from the Lord. This is a word for us and we're going to pursue it. We become the way. People look at our lives and go, I see joy. I've seen redemption. I've seen healing. God's doing stuff in you. I want in. We become the invitation to the way. You know I know this this is a big picture of the gospel and of eternity I don't think there's anything wrong or unscriptural to say I want a little bit of that big picture for us here yeah this is a huge promise I want us to grab a bit of that promise and drag it into being here in Lawrence Kirk we've been singing haven't we already You know, heaven come to earth. Well, what are we singing when we sing this stuff? We're singing, God, we want your presence here with us in our situations, in our everyday lives, in the reality of life, in the pain of life, in the suffering of life, in the confusion of life. We're asking for something of heaven to come and touch earth in these moments. (laughs) What are you looking forward to? Listen, in a year's time, I want to see something of this highway here. And you know what I want to say looking around? There is some of it here already. But don't we want more? And how is a highway built? Brick by brick, stone by stone. And often it starts with very small and insignificant ways. So the, the kind of the, the sort of title of the sermon today is this. God always has big plans for small seeds. He always does. He always has a bigger plan for a wee seed of faith. It's always bigger than us. And it always affects other people. So, finally, let's read Mark chapter 4. All right, boom. <laughs> we're doing this in reverse today. Okay, let's have a quick read. Mark chapter 4. And we're going to read verse 30. Because Jesus is talking about the parable, he's uh, talking about what is the kingdom of God like. And he goes on and says again, he says, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like or what parable or story shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when it's planted, yet when it's planted, seeds need to be planted, don't they? And where does the seed need to be planted? It needs to be planted in us because we're the soil because we know that from last week, don't we? We've got rocky soil. We've got soil that gets you know, sucked into anxiety and cares of the world. We've got shallow soil, but we've also got good soil. And when a seed, a tiny, tiny little mustard seed is planted in good soil. And we need to plant it, don't we? We, we need to receive it and embed it into our lives. The truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for us and the future that he's got for us. When that comes into our core. Then what happens? It says that tiny, insignificant seed, yet when it's planted, it grows. And it becomes the largest of all the garden plants. The tiniest beginning grows into the largest of plants. A tiny star becomes something with great influence. Is it Zechariah that says, do not despise the, 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 the beginning of small things? Is that right? Day. Thank you. Give me that again. The day of small things. I read it this week. I just didn't put it in my notes. Do not despise the day of small things. And so Jesus is saying that, isn't he? And it becomes the largest of garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade, and then he goes on with many similar parables. Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. I like that. Jesus teaches them to the to the degree where they could grasp it that day. Oh, I've had enough, Lord. My brain's about to fry. You've opened my eyes so much I can't get my head around anymore. The parables, they're not allegorical. We have to be very careful we don't overly read too much into this. More often than not, when Jesus tells a story or a parable, there is one primary thrust in that story. And the primary thrust of this story is this. The kingdom of God often starts in very small and ways that could easily be missed. In insignificant ways that the world wouldn't even always see or understand. But God does. He starts small And it grows to be big. And he's saying that the kingdom of God, his rule and his domain, his presence and his power often manifests itself on earth in very small and seemingly insignificant ways. But it starts small, but it's with potential. That tiny seed, it's like a little bomb, isn't it? It's got everything it needs in it to become this huge thing. And we see this throughout the whole of the Bible. I want to let's just go through some, some of the stories of the, of the Bible. You know what? God's promise, his, his kingdom in the Old Testament, His promises are clear. It says, through one man. Through one man, I'm going to bless the nations. Through one man, he's going to have a family that is, 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 is so great. It's there's more people than the stars in the sky. Who was that man? Abraham. Out of one comes many. Can you see it? A tiny start. A tiny start. What about um, you know, from despised group of slaves to a mighty nation? People from the smallest clans and the youngest members of of their families grow into great leaders. Leaders of nations. People like Gideon. Who's a nobody from nowhere that God picks out of obscurity and raises him up and raises up an army with him. And then reduces the army to 300 to put flight thousands and thousands. Why? Because God often uses the small things. Yeah. The insignificant. From a teenage shepherd boy with a sling to becoming a great leader and king and of 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 a nation. God always has a bigger plan for a little seed. And so let's think about then coming into the New Testament and the coming of Jesus. We've just spent some time reflecting on Christmas haven't we? And it's been good. And so when when Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is like this, remember he is the prince of that kingdom. He is the king in a sense. He is the embodiment of the kingdom of God. How did he come? He came through a teenage girl from a Backwater village or town with probably 500 people in it called Nazareth. He ends up, you know, they end up going to Bethlehem where nobody, there's no room at the inn and all of that. And the king of glory comes into the world as a baby born in a manger. Oh my goodness, the mustard seed arrives. It's tiny and it's missed by most people. Except for a few wise men from another country. And a few shepherds who were scared out of their wits because of angels. Do you see what I mean? It's a tiny seed. And that seed grows. And it becomes a man. And this man calls 12 of his friends to him. Doesn't he? And that 12 grows to maybe 72. And that 72 becomes 120 after Jesus' death and resurrection. And when he breathes the Spirit of God into them, that 120 in a day become 3,000 plus. And that 3,000 within probably 4 or 5 years becomes 40, 50,000 people. And then don't forget, Paul comes to Jesus, comes to Christ. You see... The kingdom of God is growing through the the beginning of the church and suddenly the kingdom now is pushing the boundaries of age and race and it's outgrowing Judaism or should I say it's, it's come from it and this tree now is growing beyond the boundaries of what they knew. And it's fulfilling all of the Old Testament promises. And as a tree, what is it doing? It's beginning to reach out beyond. Beyond to who? It says there, to the birds of the air, so they can find shelter in its branches. Listen, this is an unbelievable picture of how God works. Jesus starts something in the context of. Of Judaism and the Christian hope is that that the branches reach out Jesus's love and forgiveness that happens on the cross then becomes an extension the promise to all of humanity to all who are circling with a desperation in the heart for eternity who want to know truth and love and peace and grace and healing and wholeness and guess what Jesus has made room in his kingdom for us can you see the picture It starts very small and becomes enormous, actually eternal. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that's planted and it grows. And just kind of hang with me here, because that plant, as it grows, it outgrows everything else in the garden. Truth. Jesus' truth grows. And it outgrows all the other philosophies and religious understanding in our world. Here we have a picture of Jesus growing and the world going, that's truth. And so this is how it works. This is Jesus telling his disciples, he's gathered them together and say, this is how God works. He chooses The insignificant, he takes a hold of the tiny, and it grows. No wonder, in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 26, this is what Paul says, are you ready? Because it's a cracker. It says this, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. That is our righteousness, holiness and our redemption. Do you know, when you read the list, when you read the list of insignificance, just take a look around for a minute. Look, just look around because I don't know about you. Not many of us were wise when we were called. I don't know. I don't feel very wise very often. I'm married to a lovely lady who reminds me that occasionally. You know, I'm sure, you know, you know, by humans, we're not. We're not the wisest, are we? It says here the weak Hey, how many of us feel weak? How many of us don't actually, You know, just if we're really honest with ourselves, we have weakness. You know, when we go through the list, we qualify. We qualify as insignificant. But doesn't God love the insignificant and the tiny and the small? He says there, the things that are not to nullify the things that are. The things, we're, we're a bunch of knots. <laughs> we're not much in the eyes of the world. But in the eyes of God, with His Spirit in us, sown into this world, we will grow. His kingdom in us will grow. God wants to do something through you and me that's way beyond our imagination. I've got a good imagination. Some of you know that. I can think big. He wants to do something bigger than all of that. And most of us in this room immediately disqualify ourselves. No way does God want to do that. In me, through me. Because the world will say you're a not. But in God, he says, you are. You qualify. You qualify. I tell you, this gives me so much hope. So much hope. We're about a lowly bag of mustard seeds. Some of us have written ourselves off. Others have written us us off. But God hasn't. Even the despised things. The things that are not. He wants to reverse. He wants to undo. He wants us to become. You know, this phrase has been running around my head for a week or so. And, you know, it's this phrase when when when, I can't remember who it was, who came to Nathanael in the New Testament and said, listen, we found the Messiah. We found the one we've been hoping for. And he comes from Nazareth. Nathaniel's response was, can anything good come out of Nazareth? There is a bunch of us in this room that that, that take those words and apply them to ourselves. And we've heard it through other people. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, something incredible came out of Nazareth. Why? Because two young people received that seed. And obeyed what God had asked. Mary and Joseph grabbed it and thought and took into their lives all of the possibility and the potential of the kingdom of God literally. And out of Nazareth came more than just good, but something great. Jesus, the king, came out of nowhere. Listen, God wants to do the same in our lives, He wants the king to come out of nowhere in us. And, you know, I often hear about, and the reason why I'm linking this, I often as I chat to people in Lawrence Kirk in particular, it's a Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Lawrencekirk? I mean, it's a nowhere place. It's, it's just, you know, people just drive through it. That was what it was when the A90 went, in a sense, went straight through the high street. Well, it went straight through it. Nothing great happens in Lawrence Kirk. I beg to differ. I beg to differ. What do you see? You know, you know that future person, that future, you know, in a year's time, what do we see? I want to see something of a highway of grace and peace and joy breaking out in our town. It's a small town. And it's a town that many people have written off. But I tell you what, there's hope. Because God doesn't write off the Nazareths of this world. And I don't think he's going to write off the Lawrence Kirk's of this world. And he wants to, listen, by no mistake, God has brought us and brought us together at this time in this place. And I want to throw it out there. In the last year, we've got three evangelical ministers now operating in this area. God is doing something, people. God wants, God's, God is eye on the man's. What do we want? Come on. Because if we really want it, then we've got to say I'm available now. And I want in. I want the kingdom of God to overtake my life. I want the kingdom of God to overtake this church. I want the kingdom of God to overtake Lawrence Kirk and this whole of the Mayans. You know, he did it out of Nazareth. He can do it out of us, can't he? The kingdom of God is but a mustard seed. It needs to be planted. And when it's planted, it will grow and it will become the biggest of plants that the birds of the air can come and nest in. There are many people in this area that need to hear that Jesus loves them and there is a place for them and it's the best place to nest God wants to use you and me to do it. How brilliant is that? And to wrap up then, really quickly, why does he use the insignificant? <laughs> I'll tell you why. So we can't boast it's us. <laughs> because it's him. Yeah? So why don't we stand, guys?